Hi there. Thank you for joining us on the Redeemer Church Podcast. Here at Redeemer, we exist to see Christ exalted in our church, community, and world. It is our mission to lead people into the presence of God, devotion to His Word, authentic fellowship with others, and discovering their ministry. We hope that this podcast is just one of the ways you connect to God's presence this week. Let's check out this week's message. Good morning, everyone. Oh, it's so good to be in worship with you today. Hello to all of you who are with us online right now, worshiping in many different locations. I typically deal with pretty bad allergies, and and this morning with the senior send-off and the baptisms, and here's uh, former staff and members of our church in town from Dallas, sitting on the front row. I'm just going to blame it on allergies if you see me getting teary-eyed. What a great day. Last week, we celebrated Easter, the resurrection. Yeah, it's okay. You can clap. Following that celebration, uh, I was made aware of a young man who went to the Holy Land. He took his wife. They wanted to go on somewhat of a spiritual pilgrimage. Uh, He also gifted this trip to his mother-in-law. So the three of them go to the Holy Land. And while they were there, they made outstanding memories. Tragically, his mother-in-law passed away in her sleep there. Uh, As they were making arrangements and grieving, they learned that it was going to cost $5,000 to get her body back to the States for burial. And at that point, a priest had come by and shared about a ministry that actually buried people in the Holy Land, and it only cost $150. Well, the young man says, I'm going to go ahead and bring her body back, back home. And the priest says, why would you ever do that? It's $5,000. You know, you could leave her here and celebrate her life here, and it's only $150. He said, well, priest, I know of a man who was buried here long ago, and he rose after three days, and I don't want to take that risk. (laughs) Thank you. Stop. Stop. As you know, our daughter was just baptized. My mother-in-law is right there. (laughs) And that joke does not reflect how I feel about you. Lunch is on me, my love. Let's go to Luke 24. Uh, This is Sunday after Easter, or as I've heard people call it, post Easter. Easter. It's possible that many people celebrated Easter last weekend and haven't thought about it since. And that's understandable because culturally we have accepted Easter as a calendar event, something we look forward to over the course of the year, the Christian calendar. We associate Easter with a family brunch, right? Ours was a big ham last weekend. So it's understandable that We can celebrate it and then not think about it again the rest of the week. But the Bible makes a very different argument. The Bible says that Jesus said, I am the resurrection, which tells me that the resurrection is not a calendar event. It's not a family gathering. It's not a brunch. It's not a ham. The resurrection is a person. Thanks. Does anybody, 
Y'all are going to have to wake up. I know we had a big celebration last week, but y'all are going to have to go there with me here today. If the resurrection is a person, then I want you to let this sink in today. There is no such thing as post-Easter. I don't like it because we're always lingering in the events of Holy Week. As Easter people, these historical events They demand our attention, not one Sunday out of the year, but every Sunday when we gather for corporate worship and fellowship and proclamation of the word, it is a Easter celebration. That being said, we are in this 50-day period called Easter Tide, the 50 days from Easter to Pentecost. So we're in this series called Holy Moments where we're looking at holy moments, the resurrection, Today, the ascension of Jesus into heaven. Next week, Pentecost. And then week four and five, we're looking at pivotal moments that we read about the church and the mission of the church in the book of Acts. So as we go through this Easter tide season, I'm going to ask you to be intentional about a few specific things. Don't just coast through this season of the calendar. So write these down, punch them in your phone. They all start with R because that's what good preachers do so you can memorize them. Number one, rejoice in the resurrection. Every Sunday, if you get caught thinking and if you catch yourself thinking that we celebrate the resurrection one day of the year, course correct, and rejoice in the resurrection, celebrate it every time you come here for worship. Number two, remember your baptism. We just saw the symbolism of these young ladies going under the water and coming up out of the water, symbolizing the new creation. As you remember your baptism, remember Christ went into the tomb, was buried, and then he resurrected. Number three, return to spiritual disciplines. If you have not been praying, if you have not been reading your Bible, if you have not been intentional about leaning into Christian community and fellowship, okay, start. You know, what better time to begin than tomorrow morning with your cup of coffee? Return to spiritual disciplines. Number four, reflect on the birth of the church as we look at these two weeks in Acts during this series. Remember that what began then, the Christian movement, is why we're sitting here now, still in the body of Christ. And number five, reach out to your neighbor. Uh, This Christian story, this Christian narrative, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ was for you. It was also for the person that lives to your left and the person who lives to your right. And the person who lives across the street, they're over there. Hi, neighbors. Good morning. Okay, rejoice in the resurrection. Remember your baptism. Return to spiritual disciplines. Reflect on the birth of the church. Reach out to your neighbor. As we do these five things, it'll help us resist this post-Easter mindset where we lose our spiritual fervor. It will uh, remind us that Easter is not a day on the calendar, but something that should impact every day of our lives. So, we're going to turn now to Scripture, and as we do, I just for a moment want to acknowledge how emotionally unstable Jesus' disciples must have been. Jesus died, and every single one of them felt their dreams defeated, as if, hey guys, 
it looks like we bet on the wrong Messiah. And the words of one of my colleagues here, Diego, party's over, right? Um, (laughs) There you are. Their hope had crumbled into ashes, and they likely would have been very anxious. And why? Because their leader had just been killed as a threat to Caesar and the Roman Empire. So as they're gathered together, they're huddled, I don't believe so much as in faith, I think they're huddled in fear, thinking we're going to be lucky if we escape with our own lives. Uh, In the Wall Street Journal a few years ago, there was an article titled, The Easter Effect, and the author wrote that the disciples, you got to love this, a group of first century nobodies, must have been baffled, skeptical, and even frightful about what had happened to their former teacher and what could have happened to them. So if they were thinking at all about their future, what are we going to do now? It was probably let's just return to our fishing boats and keep a very low profile. Then they hear rumors that Jesus is alive. And they're thinking, wait a minute, (laughs) what is happening here? likely increasing their emotional instability. And suddenly, verse 36, while they were still talking about this, this is the rumors that Jesus was alive, Jesus himself himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet, and while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Peace be with you. A very normal Jewish greeting at the time, but unlikely from someone who has just experienced such trauma. And they were frightened when he spoke to them. And you would be frightened, and I'd be frightened as well. In many cultures, it is popular to believe that dead people can reappear in spirit form, but not Jewish theology. That was not supported. This belief discouraged attempts to contact the dead. So how does Jesus calm these disciples down who had been brought up in this Jewish theology of, look, we don't, we don't resurrect the dead. We don't attempt to. How does Jesus calm them down? Is look at me. Look at me. I don't know what kind of storms are taking place in your life today, but maybe you need to hear those words, Jesus calling you, look at me. Whatever you're walking through, whatever you're afraid of today, look at me, Jesus is saying. The marks of crucifixion on his hands and feet would have been unmistakable. And while the resurrected Christ would have been far too much to comprehend in their minds that day, personally, I believe the strangest part of the story is watching a previously dead man eat a fish. Is it just me? Well, it's not just me, because theologian Rudolf Boltman says this, typical encounters with the recently deceased, don't you love that? Typical encounters 
with the recently deceased, do not issue in claims about an empty tomb, nor do they lead to the founding of a new religion, and they certainly don't typically eat and drink. And they're not seen by crowds of up to 500 people. And then he says, I'm sure of it. So from hearing rumors, to being terrified, to disbelief, to shock, to fear, to astonishment and joy, the disciples would soon realize that they have been reunited with the risen Christ, the real Jesus, unquestionably the Messiah. And for those 40 days, Scripture describes Jesus appearing to various people in different settings. In 1 Corinthians 15, we read of a time that he appeared to 500 people, not a Casper the Ghost kind of Jesus, but real flesh and blood. So the resurrected Jesus walked in familiar places. He preached, he performed miracles, and he also gave instructions. And as he did, we see in Luke 24 that hearts burned as Jesus explained the scriptures with heightened clarity. He offers them that day crash course in post-resurrection kingdom theology. The Gospel of John's final verse, I love this. This is chapter 21, verse 25. And John expresses the magnitude of Jesus' life. Jesus did many other things as well. How many things? Well, if every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Jesus' birth was designed from the beginning. His miracles showed his power. His preaching taught wisdom. His persecution and his death fulfilled prophecy. His resurrection, completely astonishing. But rarely in the church, rarely around the dining room table, do we talk about and celebrate the ascension of Jesus Christ into heaven. I'll prove my point. Last service, there were none. Raise your hand if you've gone to the mailbox and you opened a happy Ascension Day card from a friend. Anyone? Perfect. 0 for 2. That's my point. Look with me at Luke 24, 50 through 53. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple praising God. Jesus rising up into the clouds sounds like something out of Monty Python. Are you with me? It's a bit strange. The ascension It's difficult to understand, it's bizarre to grasp, it's even more difficult to apply. But as a result of highlighting this climactic historical event in the life of Jesus, my hope is that the ascension will no longer be an afterthought to Good Friday or Easter, but every bit as much a part of the story. As a side note, if you and your family would like to celebrate the ascension of Jesus Christ, the 40th day of Easter includes Resurrection Day, mark this in your calendar, it's Thursday, May 26th. I'd love to come. Just like Jesus explained the scriptures to his disciples and their eyes were opened and their hearts burned, I pray that we also today, through the help of the Holy Spirit, can 
feel and understand the significance of the ascension. So I just pray now, Lord, Lord Jesus, if there's a veil over our minds concealing the splendor of your work, just remove it today. Help us to see. Here are four life-changing results of the ascension of Christ. And when I say life-changing, I'm talking about your life. I'm not talking about somebody over here. I'm talking about yours. And yours, not everybody over here. It's, these are life-changing results of the ascension of Christ. Number one, the ascension is Jesus' enthronement as king. As Jesus ascended into the clouds, Acts 1, and then later Stephen looks up and sees him standing at the right hand of God, Acts 7. This fulfills the prophecy of Daniel 7, 13 and 14. In my vision at night, I looked and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. And he approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. He was... Everybody awake? This is good. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Amen. Do you know today what it means here in this text that his kingdom cannot be destroyed and it will not pass away? It means his kingdom will not be destroyed, it will not pass away. That's what that means. It doesn't mean anything else. Christ sits on his throne as king, and guess what? He's coming back. So last week we celebrate that he's risen, but guess what else? Our king is not only risen, he's reigning and he's returning. He's risen, he's reigning, and he's returning. Y'all love this. Come on. Number two, the ascension makes Christ supreme over our enemies. Jesus will reign until every enemy is subdued under his feet. Psalm 110.1, Acts 2.34, Hebrews 1.13. Christ is in heaven with angels, authorities, and powers subjected to him. 1 Peter 3.22. And remember what Paul says. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion in every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Do you want some relief in your battle today? Well, those of you who are facing a battle, I know you want relief. And I know many of you here today are facing struggles of many kinds. 
Perhaps you're even afraid to tell someone about it. Maybe you think it's only you. But there's a quote from one of the old saints that said, in every pew is a suffering soul. That's true. Maybe many suffering souls. So I want to offer you this encouragement today. When it says all things are placed under his feet, that includes Satan. Do you believe that? All things are placed under his feet. That includes the one that's attacking you. That includes the one that is accusing you. That includes the one that is speaking a message of guilt and shame instead of grace over you. He is under the feet of Christ. And although you may be in a battle today, I'm just asking as your brother in Christ, keep hope. Because the battle will soon end and the war has already been won. That's why we can sing with confidence. The lyrics that you sang earlier this morning, when I fight, I'll fight on my knees. With my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. Every fear I lay at your feet, I'll sing through the night. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. Keep hope today. Number three. The ascension paves our way to the Father. Don't you believe there's no sweeter reunion in all of history than when Christ went home? And because of that reunion, we too will one day experience our own journey to be with the Lord forever. Remember this astonishing and reassuring promise of Jesus, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back. I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. John 14, 2 through 4. Jesus' homecoming to the Father prepares the way for our homecoming, to be with the Lord forever. St. Augustine put it this way, cleave unto Christ who by descending and ascending has made himself the way do you wish to ascend hold fast to him that ascends for by your own self you cannot rise be then a member of him who has ascended and the fourth result of the ascension the ascension released the Holy Spirit into the world. The ascended Lord sent the Spirit of God to be present, to transform the Christ follower, to deposit the fruit of the Spirit into our hearts, to empower us for mission. God promised through the prophets long ago, I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. And we are in that New Testament Holy Spirit era. We're no longer in the Old Testament era where the Spirit of God would descend for a time and then withdraw because the Spirit of God was finished or because the people had rebelled. And then the people would wonder, where is God? 
This is a New Testament era. This is a habitation culture, not a visitation culture. The Holy Spirit has been given to us, and the Holy Spirit is here to stay. And that, that is next week's sermon that will be preached by a wonderful friend of mine and a guest preacher, and I cannot wait. Make sure you're back for Pentecost. God bless you. Would you stand to your feet and respond to God's word with worship today? Once again, thank you for listening to the Redeemer Church podcast. To stay connected to all that God is doing here at Redeemer, visit our website at RedeemerTulsa.org or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a blessed week.